Welcome to The Rounds, a podcast of Marshfield Clinic Health System. I'm your host, Adam Hocking. The Rounds brings together medical experts to discuss fresh, fascinating, and important topics from the world of healthcare. Precision medicine is an approach to providing healthcare that aims to tailor care as much as possible to each individual by understanding the importance of things like lifestyle, genetic makeup, and the environment in which a person lives. Joining me today to discuss precision medicine's evolving role in modern healthcare is Dr. Murray Brilliant. Dr. Brilliant is a world-renowned researcher in the field of human genetics. He's the director of research and the director of the Center for Human Genetics at Marshfield Clinic Research Institute. We'll discuss what precision medicine is, its evolving role in modern healthcare, and Marshfield Clinic's role in advancing research in this critical field. So, Dr. Murray Brilliant, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. My pleasure. Precision medicine is a topic that if you just do a, a news search for it, it's starting to come up more and more in news articles. It seems like it's kind of um, a hot topic lately. But can you help us to start with just sort of defined terms and talk about what precision medicine really is and what it means? We have different uh, definitions for, for precision medicine. Precision medicine used to be called personalized medicine, individualized medicine. Uh, sometimes we call it genomic medicine if we're looking at, the, at how the genome interacts uh, with, with uh, our health. Specifically, precision medicine is, is a system where we utilize all kinds of information, genetic information, environmental information, dietary information, to tailor your particular medical care to suit you best. And can you talk about how your role specifically involves precision medicine? You're the director of research and the director of the Center for, for Human Genetics at the Marshall Clinic Research Institute. We have several research projects, some of which are designed to try to uh, better understand how uh, genomics interacts with, with our health. We also have projects that where we take that genomic information and combine it with uh, healthcare to better serve uh, our patients. So our first and, and dis more discovery type uh, mechanism is that we have volunteers uh, that help us in our research. We have actually 20,000 volunteers in what we call the Personalized Medicine Research Project, or PMRP. This project uh, enables us to look at retrospectively, that is uh, in the past, as to what kind of health um, outcomes and health problems people have, and to relate that to variations in their DNA, in their genome. That has allowed us to discover uh, risk factors that are hidden in our genome that uh, predict whether or not we're more susceptible to cancer or to age-related macular degeneration or other things like that, or you know, cholest high cholesterol, those sorts of things. We've used that information in a more of a prospective way to uh, help uh, treat some of our patients, for example, we have 750 Marshfield Clinic patients who are enrolled in our pharmacogenomics project. So this project looks at specific variants in DNA that predict how a person would respond to particular drug therapies. So some people on certain types of statins will develop pain in their legs and the lower limbs, um, and we call that peripheral myopathy. Uh, we can predict who might develop such an outcome 
uh, based on, on their DNA variations and get that into the clinical record in a way that, and, and do this before we ever prescribe uh, this particular drug. So if they're at risk for this particular side effect, we, we know to give them a different drug from the very beginning. Can you talk a little bit about how you decide um, what the process is for what what you ultimately study? It seems like this is such a vast uh a potential topic, personalized medicine, and you could study so many different things, so many different um, uh, medications, illnesses. Uh, how do you make the decision that we're going to study uh, this medication or, or this illness? That's a very good question uh, and one that we struggle with uh, all, all the time. So typically we would look at, at medications, for example, that have uh, higher rates of adverse events and ones where we, where we and others have found uh, genetic variants that could influence whether or not a person on that particular drug will develop one of those adverse events. So, so that, that has to do with uh, a subset of drugs. Not all drugs are associated with adverse events that are related to our, our genes. Uh, for example, some drugs in combination with other drugs can cause adverse events. Some drugs are, are pretty safe for most people, and it's up to us to try to determine which ones are, are, there, are used more commonly, which ones um, are, are, would put our patients at risk, for example. That's just uh, one subset of, of drugs and, 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 and genes, uh, but we also can look at, at um, uh, different genetic variants that we, we already know are associated with risk for cancer, risk for heart disease, risk for, other, uh, as I mentioned, age-related macular degeneration. That's one um, particular uh, disorder that we've studied in great detail. So we can predict with fair accuracy who might be at risk for age-related macular degeneration. And using the vast amounts of data that we have, we've actually come up with drug that we think could either um, prevent or halt uh, the development of age-related macular degeneration. So this is a really important uh, topic, not only for our patients, but for, for people all, all over the, the world. As precision medicines makes its way more into the mainstream and more into the lives of, of uh, providers on a day-to-day basis and in their approach to care, I'm curious how it would manifest itself. Let's take a, a maybe this is a bad example, I'm not sure, um, a, a person that has a specific type of cancer. Um, in the past, before pre- precision medicine, I'm assuming um, perhaps the approach was, okay, we have a person, they have this disease, this is how we would normally treat this disease. It's kind of a standard, more across the board approach, and I'm oversimplifying. But with precision medicine, you could take into um, greater consideration the person's DNA, uh, biological markers, things like that. Is that accurate? That's very accurate. So, um, and that's very applicable for, for cancer. So, with the vast amounts of data that we have here at the Marshfield Clinic and indeed across the whole country, since most records now are electronic, uh, we can begin to compare people who are alike. So breast cancer, for example, uh, can affect women of all ages. But if we look at a subset of women with a particular type of 
breast cancer at a particular stage and with particular uh, DNA markers in, in that cancer, we can then compare all the different ways that uh, we and others treat this particular breast cancer. And comparing uh, all of these age-matched and, and, and cancer-stage-matched uh, women, we can, we can actually begin to see which treatment works best for, that, for women who, um, who, who meet those particular standards. Currently, if I'm wrong, the Marshfield Clinic um, personalized medicine program uh, or precision medicine program began in 2002. Is that accurate? So, yes, we, we call it, at, at that time, we called it a personalized uh, medicine research program. And this is the one where we have uh, 20,000 local volunteers um, that help us in this research and that have helped us to identify genetic variants that are associated with all kinds of different uh, diseases, and also helps us to, to determine what are the best treatments and outcomes to expect from different conditions. Can you talk about the genesis of this kind of medicine when it started to, so 2002 for us, okay, we initiate a program, but when did it start to come into the consciousness uh, of healthcare in general and people started to think, well, we have this new ability with um, mapping the genome and things like that, and we can approach healthcare in a different way because of it. When did that kind of start to happen? It's been an evolving process. I think that um, if you talk to most physicians, um, they they will say that they they treat everyone differently, and that that's part of uh, precision medicine. So clearly, we do differentiate. Uh, different types of disorders and 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 treat them in in different ways, but um, it, it the 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 big push began with um, the Human Genome Project, and the Human Genome Project then opened up this whole uh, vast array of data that uh, based on genomic variants that can allow us to look at risk. But one thing we also should remember is that most diseases. Are, are caused by environment, diet, whether we smoke or not, those sorts of things. Uh, genetics plays a big role, but it's certainly not the only role. And, but combining this genetic information with information um, that have an in, in, on an individual basis of uh, diet, exercise, um, age, all sorts of features like that, we can begin to, to develop um, techniques where we can say that uh, given this particular set of genes and this gene genetic variants and this particular uh, diet and exercise profile, that sort of thing, that this is what we might expect. I had read that the influence or maybe the, the presence of precision medicine um, in healthcare right now is somewhat limited, um, I guess, in the day-to-day -day activities of the average provider. Um, I, I'm wondering if you agree with that characterization um, and sort of if you see that changing uh, sort of as we speak. It is changing as we speak. Um, so we shouldn't oversell this. Uh, there's still a lot of uh, health issues that are really determined almost by chance. So that's something that we need to consider. But there are a number of, of uh, health issues that we can clearly predict 
And, and um, if we look at individual uh, genetic variation, for example, we do find that almost all of us will carry at least one genetic variant that could influence whether or not we get an adverse drug uh, problem, right? But we're not all given all drugs. It's important then to test uh, for these particular variants uh, so that we can reduce adverse drug events. We find that over a person's lifetime, uh, about 75% of us will be given a drug that is uh, contraindicated by our genetics. So that's, that's a large number of people. That's one of the things. If we look for um, genetic risk that are associated with cancer, heart disease, and, and those sorts of things that are genetic, uh, we find about 5% of people have at least uh, one genetic variant that could influence the, the rate at which they might get those particular uh, disorders. So uh, most people could benefit from pharmacogenomic testing, and, a lot of, and, and about 5% of people could benefit from other types of testing. That's just the genetics part. But we kind of use precision medicine in, in many ways. So there's something called a Framingham score, which uh, that allows your physician to determine what your risk for cardiac disease is. And that's based on your age, um, your body mass index, family history, all those sorts of things. And that gives you sort of a kind of equation that will tell you what your risk in the next several years is for a cardiac event. And so that's something that, that's in use uh, today, currently. Um, and and um, so, so it's not an unusual principle. We're just applying other features, such as genetics, to, to these sorts of predictions. One of the things, sort of a buzzword you hear a lot about is big data. Um, I wonder how much of the success of precision medicine is not just based on uh, the data you collect, but how efficient or successful you are at analyzing and contextualizing that data. How much of the challenge is, is that piece of it? The big data challenge is certainly real. So it, it requires a lot of computational um, uh, time. But what comes out of that is extremely important and can be quite precise. So the human genome is, uh, is pretty big. There's three uh, billion bits of information in each, uh, each of our cells. And variations in any one of these might, might lead to, to some issue. When we, look at, um, when, we, when we look at retrospective data, we look at um, medical records, for example, of a person over a lifetime. Um, there's hundreds of thousands of, of data points in that. Every time a person's blood pressure is measured, every um, test result, every diagnosis, all of that's in your medical record. But uh, for the past 30 years, at least here at the Marshfield Clinic, those data are electronic, so we use um, our large uh, computing system here to relate those uh, medical um, points of data to genetic points of data. And we also overlay that with environmental data, um, which includes diet and exercise, and then of course age and sex and all those sorts of things go into this. So it is a big data challenge. Mm -hmm. 
We're talking with Dr. Murray Brilliant. He's the Director of Research and the Director of the Center for Human Genetics at the Marshfield Clinic Research Institute. I'm wondering if you've, and maybe you don't allow yourself to do this, I don't know, but if you were to sort of dream big about what personalized medicine could mean 10, 15, 20, 50 years from now, are there any sort of signposts that you hope to get to or, or big innovations that you think maybe we're on the cusp of or, or breakthroughs, anything like that? I come to this uh, through the lens of genetics. And I don't want to, again, I don't want to overemphasize the importance of genetics, but that's a new feature that we can add to all this other data. That the, the genetic features uh, uh, can be very important, as I mentioned, in, in a, a large number of people, certainly for pharmacogenomic um, types of data. So one of the things that I think will happen is that uh, probably when we're born or shortly thereafter, uh, we'll have our, our complete genome sequence, uh, those three billion nucleotides. And uh, as we go through our life cycle, um, that, uh, that genetic information can be queried uh, much the same way that your physician writes for a prescription now. So your physician, that, that data will reside someplace. Your physician will query uh, your DNA at, at specific um, uh, um, uh, um, dates of your life. So, you know, we, we do certain things, uh, you know, we give uh, shingle shots at, at, to people who are over age 60, and, and we, there's, there's other immunizations that are age-specific. So I think that querying your, your, your DNA, your genome, the 3 billion um, bits of information, will be done at these specific um, uh, milestones of a person's life. And so we'll determine uh, at that time what the, the use of that. So for example, before you get a prescription for a medication, we will check to see whether or not that particular medication might cause a bad outcome for you or if this is appropriate for you to take, for example. Um, if you have cancer, what kinds of chemotherapeutic agents can you best tolerate? And are those agents the ones that will kill those cancer cells? So those are the sorts of things that will be in your, in your uh, health information record, and that will be used to determine uh, you know, what kind of testing we want to do, what, how proactive we have to be for certain conditions and such. So if you uh, have a, an average risk for cancer, we would screen you the way we normally do. If you have a high risk for cancer, then the, your cancer screening would be uh, accelerated. Similarly, for, for eye diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, we would, you know, we can look at, at your genetic variants and determine whether you might develop these disorders at a higher risk than other people. And so we'd want to test you for these things uh, in advance. And truly um, preventing disease is much better for the patient, it's much better for the healthcare system, and it's much better for, for all of us. So our goal here is to anticipate problems prevent them when we can, and treat them as best we can using all the knowledge that we have. I was going to say, I think prevention is kind of the word that's been lurking in the background here because so often maybe in, not so much in the medical community, but 
but uh, society at large, we hear a lot about curing cancer, finding the cure for X disease. And uh, I, I think the conversation is starting to shift to, well, m- maybe it's easier or it makes more sense to go to the other side of that equation and say, how can we stop it from starting in, in the first place? Correct. The, the, the paradigm that we have for, for healthcare is that you basically go to your physician when you're sick. Uh, we'd like to change that and anticipate before you're sick and prevent that. What role do uh, medical providers have in your mind in helping to advance precision medicine? In terms of right now, uh, there are several things that can be done. Uh, one is that uh, we can continue to collect information to see, uh, again, what works best. That's, that's one thing. Physicians can also uh, begin to, to utilize this uh, pre- precision medicine, and certainly they, they do already in terms of many features. As I mentioned, um, uh, you know, in, in predicting uh, cardiac disease with a Framingham score, things like that are already done in, in, in practice. Uh, what needs to be added to this are the genetic variants and other environmental vari- variation uh, that are, that's very important in your health. I, again, I don't want to oversell this. Um, a lot of uh, our health issues have to do with our environment, whether, we, whether we're smokers or not smokers, whether we uh, have a good diet or a bad diet, whether we exercise or not. Uh, those are, those uh, remain to be very important in determining um, your health outcomes. And so I don't want to oversell the genetics part of it, but combining the genetics with all these other features really enables us to be much more precise in predicting what risk factors you have. And once you develop a disorder, what are the best modalities, what are the best ways to treat you? I want to move to a bit of news. Um, Marshfield Clinic Health System, um, well, Marshfield Clinic Research Institute, I should say, the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health and the Medical College of Wisconsin, uh, were recently uh, awarded $5.3 million between uh, the three institutions to help implement in Wisconsin the National Institute of Health's All of Us Research Program. Can you tell us a little bit about what this All of Us Research Program is? The, the All of Us Research Program is uh, an NIH program with a goal uh, to recruit a million um, Americans in a, a, an effort to, to relate their, um, their health care outcomes and, their, and, and predictions of, of health care uh, in, in future, uh, relate that with uh, their genetics, their environment, their uh, diet and exercise, and all of that. So the Marshfield Clinic's uh, personalized medicine research project that I talked about with 20,000 individuals has been um, a, a great success in terms of research and, and its, its findings that, are, that provided a basis for what we now call precision medicine. Um, in, indeed, we were cited uh, by the NIH as, as one of those programs that's a forerunner of this uh, All of Us program. The All of Us program then intends to do this on a much larger scale instead of the 20,000 that we already have here in, in, in Marshfield. Um, this aims to, to recruit 
a million people. The data from a million people will, again, very, very big data, uh, lots of data points, not only, if you think about it, a million people, each one of them with three billion uh, variant, potential variants in their DNA, hundreds of thousands of uh, data points in their electronic health records. This is an enormous project and one that will go on for many years but that will allow us to, to uh, advance this whole concept and whole uh, modality of, of precision medicine. When I talked about uh, before about uh, you know, um, issues with uh, genetic variation that, for example, leads to breast cancer and how we might treat that, it's important to, to note that uh, even at a large medical center like the Marshfield Clinic, we do see uh, large numbers of, of women with breast cancer, but they're all a little different, one from another. Different stages of breast cancer, different ages, different genetic variants that drive that cancer. So when we have a million people, uh, we could have a thousand, for example, a thousand women that fit an almost identical profile, and then we can compare what types of uh, treatments work best? What cures this, this disorder? What gives the best outcome and hope for these women? How important is the scale of having a million people? Um, I guess I'm curious, has there been a precision medicine research project of this size before that you're aware of? The United States is not the only one that is, is preparing uh, this, this uh, large group of individuals for precision medicine. The UK is recruiting a biobank of a million people as well. Um, other countries have, have done this. Um, we're not the first, and perhaps not even, we may not even be the biggest in the United States, but I think that we, we have a unique opportunity because of the diversity of our populations, the diversity of, of where people live, what they eat, how they exercise, all those sorts of things will be very important in, in advancing precision medicine. So uh, this All of Us program will revolutionize the way we treat patients in medical care in the future. I was just going to say, uh, Dr. Francis Collins from the NIH said he thought this study could alter the practice of medicine in profound ways. Uh, obviously, you, you, you seem to agree with that. Um, can you talk about the type of potential this study has? Well, for example, in the All of Us Wisconsin program, uh, we're going to be recruiting about a little over 8,000 people over the next year. Uh, we intend over the next five years, uh, if the funding continues from the NIH, uh, we will recruit 100,000 Wisconsinites for this, um, this program. What we see developing out of this is, again, ways to, uh, to predict and, and, and prevent uh, disease. So I think this will rapidly and substantially change uh, medical care. Uh, again, the most important thing is we will be able to better sort of bin people according to risk. So we can't do, we can't test everyone for everything. Uh, we will continue to test the average population 
according to the current recommendations, uh, specialty recommendations. So when you when you should have um, uh, colonoscopy, that won't change for the majority of people. But people who are at higher risk for colorectal cancer, we're going to be screening them earlier and more often. This will prevent larger numbers of colorectal cancer that we wouldn't be able to do uh, on a if we treated everybody the same. So by sort of stratifying or binning people according to uh, whether they're at higher risk, we will be able to catch disorders earlier and, and try to prevent their bad outcomes. I guess I'm just curious how you recruit that many people for a, for a project like this. What's that process like? It's a very good point. Um, we do find, uh, certainly here in Wisconsin, that um, people are pretty altruistic. Uh, even if this doesn't benefit the, the immediately those particular people, um, they realize that this is something that will benefit uh, future individuals, their, their children, their grandchildren. So we've never had a real problem in, in recruitment. People um, are, are very interested in, in helping out uh, biomedical research, in improving the healthcare um, of others. We believe, though, that this will, will, has, a, has a good chance to uh, advance the healthcare of, of the particular participants. Uh, we haven't quite, uh, the, the All of Us program hasn't quite decided exactly uh, what kind of information is going to be returned to the participants, um, but the All of Us program is, is really based on having uh, participants be partners in, in this research. So it's, it's different from uh, other kinds of biomedical research where people are subjects. We don't look at people who, who are in the All of Us program as subjects. They're really partners that help us to determine what types of, of research we do uh, and, and even, in a way, how, how we do that and how we're going to return these results to the participants and their physicians. Are there any parting thoughts that you'd like to share with us before we go? Well, the one thing I, I would say is that this is a, is a grand opportunity for us to, to advance medical care. Uh, I don't want to oversell, uh, oversell it too much. We have actually uh, done um, a kind of, I think, a very clever experiment. And that clever experiment is uh, some of the volunteers from our previous study have passed away. And since uh, the Marshfield Clinic has been in business for now more than 100 years, we have information on the health of some of these individuals who have now passed away um, that that really is their lifelong medical record from their birth until their death. What we have done is to do whole genome sequencing on these 300 individuals. So we know all the three billion bits of information and we've compared that with, um, with their medical record. And so we have actually found people who, who we could have helped Again, this is in retrospect, and, and we're using techniques that aren't in use now uh, that we hope to be in use in future. But this is kind of a way of looking at, at 
what the future will look like. So we've been able to find individuals that were at risk for cancer that indeed did get cancer that could have been prevented if we had had that information years ago when we didn't have that information. So it's it, this illustrates that this type of information can be effective and can prevent um, bad outcomes. And so our, our real goal in all of this is um, not to, to make people live forever, but to keep them healthy until um, they're not. So we want to reduce the burden of disorders that um, are, you know, affect an individual every single day. It's, it's quite a burden, um, and, and we want to we keep people healthy for as long as possible. Dr. Murray Brilliant, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. The Rounds is produced by Ryan Matterick and supported by the Marketing and Communications Department of Marshfield Clinic Health System. You can subscribe to The Rounds and download episodes via iTunes or by visiting shine365.marshfieldclinic.org. I'm Adam Hawking, and I hope you'll join us next time on The Rounds.